With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. On today's episode of The Door Report, we are joined by TDR writer and content creator Jacob Scholl to discuss some of the hot-button topics surrounding Vanderbilt athletics, including Donovan Kaufman transferring as well as Dylan DeSue, Ed Conroy and Michael Curry officially joining Jerry Stackhouse's staff, capacity restrictions being lifted in Nashville and what that can mean moving forward for Vanderbilt athletics and attendance. And we'll also give a recap of the Vanderbilt Mississippi State series and take a look ahead at the Florida series this upcoming weekend, as well as the midweek game against Louisville. Before we get into it, here are a few words about our presenting sponsor, Alaco Finewood Floors. Let's ride. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by logging on to alacohardwoodflooring.com or by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Perfect floors, whatever your style. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down. Welcome back into the door report presented as always by Alaco Finewood Floors on this very rainy Wednesday afternoon, April 28th. It is episode 81 of the door report. Unfortunately, we are unable to be joined by my usual co-host, Billy Derrick, due to some scheduling conflicts. However, to go over the latest Vanderbilt breaking news of the week and a little bit of last week that we'll be touching on, we do have uh, the Door Report staff member here, Jacob Scholl. Uh, Jacob, excited to have you on. I'm glad to be back. Um, a, lot of, a lot of things have changed recently, especially <laughs> since the last time I've been on, and I'm ready to dive into it. Yeah, it's been a little while. I think it's all the way back to what football season probably uh, that you joined us last. So we got a lot of stuff to run through, kind of touching pretty quickly on all, all three major sports here at Vanderbilt, um, football, basketball and baseball. We'll get into the Donovan Kaufman and Dylan DeSue transfer news. We'll also touch on Ed Conroy and Michael Curry officially joining Jerry Stackhouse's staff. We will also touch on the capacity restrictions being lifted in Nashville very, very soon and what that could mean for Vanderbilt athletics in general. And we'll also get to the Vandy boys, of course. We didn't forget about them. We'll have a quick recap of the Vanderbilt Mississippi State Series, as well as a little bit of a quick preview onto the Vandy boys taking on Florida and Louisville. But before we get into breaking news, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, go ahead and give our podcast a five-star review on iTunes. Today's breaking news is brought to you by the Recycling Dudes. You may ask, 
Who are the recycling dudes? Well, they're brothers Graydon and Chapman and their dad. Drew Smith, who is a Metro Nashville firefighter living in Westmead. The recycling dudes recognize the need for a service that would take glass to the recycling for busy homeowners who care about our environment. They pick up your glass, separate it, and take it to be recycled. They offer monthly service as well as one-time party pickup, starting as low as $10 per month. All you have to do is sign up on their website at RecyclingDudes.com. All right, so here we do not have a special guest today, uh, so it'll just be a longer extended segment one with more opinions from me and Jacob here. I know everyone is very excited about that. But just as a little note here, we will be touching on quite a bit of news from last week. We actually did, me and Billy, record a podcast with George Plaster on Thursday of last week. But due to some connection issues that we had with him, uh, we were unable to post that episode. So we're a little bit behind here on some of this news, but we still have some, some opinions that we do want to get out there. And it's such significant news as far as these transfers are concerned that, that we feel we probably still need to spend some time discussing those. But before we get into those, uh, that breaking news, um, we'll, we'll first touch on Ed Conroy and Michael Curry joining Jerry Stackhouse's staff inside of Memorial Gym. Um, these two assistants, I, b- I believe it was announced a-, a while back, but not officially, but Vanderbilt released um, on Twitter, as well as Jerry Stackhouse releasing a statement, um, which I will read verbatim from him. Ed and Michael are two welcomed additions to our staff as we continue to elevate the program and build on the progress we have made. Their combined experience at the NCAA and NBA levels, as well as their extensive knowledge of the game and ability to teach the inv- and ah, excuse me, and ability to teach are invaluable, and their leadership qualities, both on and off the court, will be a tremendous asset to this program. Conroy's bringing in 30 years of college basketball coaching experience. Um, he spent the last five seasons at Minnesota, and he did serve as the head coach at Tulane from 2010 through 2016. He's also bringing in a pretty key big man seven-footer in Liam Robbins that should contribute right when he steps on campus for Vanderbilt. Um, and also Curry uh, brings in quite a bit of NBA experience. He was the head coach for the Detroit Pistons as well as at the NCAA level for Florida Atlantic. Um, And overall, he brings more than 20 years of basketball experience as a coach, player, and a front office executive. Um, A lot of the wind was taken out of my sails when I heard this news by the news that we were going to be touching on next. And I think that these official announcements kind of got pushed, swept under the rug um, because of the transfer news that kind of took over. Uh, the Vanderbilt news cycle right when these were announced. But it's it's really good that Stackhouse is bringing in guys with relevant NCAA as well as NBA coaching experience because Stackhouse is still a relatively young head coach and especially an experience at the NCAA level. So I believe Conroy coming in um, is a huge boon to this program and hopefully he'll be able to guide Stackhouse on the right path, especially after this news that we'll move to now and Dylan DeSue announcing he is transferring officially to Texas and actually posting on his Twitter uh, a picture of himself in the, well, in that orange and white, a little bit different than the guys out east, the burnt orange and white, but it's still pretty brutal to see him in that uniform, isn't it, Jacob? Yeah, that uh, that was a huge blow blow to our team for next season. Um, DeSue had made huge strides in a sophomore year, averaging 15 points, uh, nine rebounds a game. Um, I kind of have two different opinions on this. Um, 
from the player's point of view, if um, if I was 21 years old playing basketball at any school in America and Vanderbilt had offered me without having to sit out a year, it would be a no-brainer. Um, so I don't blame him on why he went. Um, however, the way he went about it was a little upsetting. Um, there was no sort of public announcement, tweet, anything to the players, coaches, administration. And um, yeah, that was, that was just a huge blow. Um, I was really yeah. upset the way. He yeah. Did. I mean, he is going back and, and I think something that's kind of been lost in all of this. And I put out a tweet on my, on my account at, at uh, the Will Byram shameless plug right there. If you do want to follow me, <laughs> um, I put out something that said nothing to see here at NCAA um, because 100% there was some sort of tampering. Now, while is that tampering to the level of something the NCAA could investigate? Likely not. But there's no way that every single step of this was followed in the proper accordance with NCAA guidelines. When you look at eight days prior um, to him officially entering his name into the transfer portal, uh, there was actually an article from from Chip Brown from Texas Longhorns 24-7 where he said that it was a strong possibility that DeSue would be transferring to Texas. There's no way that news leaks eight days before his name is entered into the transfer portal and that there hasn't been some sort of communication a little bit under the table uh, between the Texas Longhorns coaching staff and Dylan DeSue. Uh, but keep in mind to everyone, he is from Texas. Uh, this is likely the school that he grew up cheering for. Uh, there, there was a video of him in a Vanderbilt uh, t-shirt and he was doing some sort of interview, press availability of some kind from his what I'm assuming is his bedroom at home or his dorm room. And in the background, he had a framed photo or framed jersey uh, of, from the University of Texas, as well as uh, Dallas Cowboys. It looked like some type of wallpaper back there. So clearly a Texas sports fan, and, and he's not going to have to sit out a year um, due to the NCAA one-time transfer rule. The one thing that I'm taking from this, especially in basketball, is college basketball is in huge trouble big, big trouble. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, Jacob, as well. But the one-time rule, I, in principle, I agree with it. If, if everything is followed correctly and coaches treat it correctly as allowing players to have more freedom to move, just like coaches do. I mean, coaches take jobs and they're gone in three, four years. They bring these guys in under the assumption that they're going to be there their entire time in college, their entire college careers, and then they're gone. And, the, and those players are left holding the bag. But what we're seeing is that I don't see guys like Dylan DeSue staying the full, you, you won't see guys like that stay the full four years anymore. And, we, and we've seen a glimpse into it with this weird vortex of the grad transfer portal. Um, but now we're really going to start seeing perpetual free agency in college basketball specifically, because it's even a little bit different than football. In football, whatever side of the ball you were on, you're having to come into an entirely new system, learn an entirely new playbook. Um, a lot of, you know, defensive scheme, offensive scheme, pass heavy, run heavy, blitz heavy on defense. Um, in, in basketball, it's a, it's a lot more plug and play. You need to have these guys have, have good chemistry with their teammates and fit into the style of play. Obviously, Alabama plays a different style of basketball than the University of Virginia, but that's tempo. Basketball is basketball is basketball. You dribble the court and you got to, you dribble the ball up the court and you have to score. Who I see this impacting greatly is mid-majors. And I think the best example that comes to mind immediately is somewhere like Murray State or Belmont that have built themselves 
in the Ohio Valley Conference into perennial teams that that are at the top of that conference and perennial NCAA tournament teams are right on that bubble of even receiving at-large bids. A good example of a guy that I that I just don't see staying is someone like Ja Morant, who, who's currently the point guard on the Memphis Grizzlies, or somebody like Dylan Windler, um, who was on the Cavaliers for a time, and, and Dylan Windler played at Belmont, Ja Morant there at Murray State. If this one-time transfer rule was in place, I don't see those guys staying for as long as they did. I, I, I see them transferring to a larger program with more exposure, improving their draft stock, doing what's best for them, and that has benefits and drawbacks because you're already seeing with the one-and-done rule um, on the NCAA's or on the NBA's side, uh, keep in mind that that is not an NCAA rule. The NBA is the one putting that into place, just like the NFL has the rule of uh, the player having to stay in college or, or post high school three years removed before being eligible for the NCAA draft. So this perpetual free agency of recruiting these guys uh, year in, year out during the offseason is going to be pretty draining. And I think you lose something as fans when you don't have that attachment to players that stay here for their full college careers. And, and I don't see how, how you're going to see that very much uh, anymore in college basketball. Another thing with basketball that, that trends toward it is with AAU tournaments, how these guys train. There's a lot more travel basketball associated with it, so, uh, similar to baseball, unlike football completely, where you're tied to your high school program. A lot of these guys know each other. They're friends. They play in tournaments together um they train together so there's a lot more communication there's a lot fewer players um, making it a lot more visible and uh i i think this is just the tip of the iceberg and what we're going to see what about you jacob i agree with you i, th I think it's going to be hard to build a program from top to bottom with this new uh this new rule um you're not going to see a team like when we had john jenkins festus azili jeff taylor um it's going to be hard to keep guys around for three four years um, the transfer portal now is basically a free agency portal, especially with states passing laws now where um, college players can be paid for the likeness. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it kind of turns it into where can I get paid the most money? Um, I can leave without having any repercussions. Um, so I, I'm going to start calling it the free agency portal from here on out. <laughs> yeah, I like that. We'll start calling it the free agency portal and Vanderbilt is certainly struggled losing guys from this year's team with Scottie Pippen's status still up in the air testing the waters of the NBA draft. But I think we've touched enough here on uh, the college basketball, Vanderbilt men's basketball side, uh, touching on their new hires as well as Dylan DeSue transferring. Let's move to the football field where Vanderbilt had their spring game and then received some pretty shocking news, at least to me, uh, with Donovan Kaufman releasing that he would be transferring and i believe he does not have a destination yet announced uh this came and and actually jacob i'll go ahead and get your thoughts on this one before before i go into what uh what i want to say here uh, the kaufman transfer caught me completely off guard completely blindsided me um i've seen a lot from him on social media as well as in some videos that the football team has released he seemed bought in he seemed like under a new defensive minded coach that he was going to be the guy on this defense. Um, the position was there. I did kind of dive into his Twitter and notice he he had um, talked about in the past a little bit about how um, it seemed like the school wasn't for him. He didn't like the academic side of it, um, which which does make sense. And I would not be surprised at all to see him follow Coach Mason with their close relationship to Auburn 
or go back home to Louisiana and play at LSU. Yeah, we, we don't know where he's going to go. It seems like he came to Vanderbilt for Derek Mason and his relationship with Coach Mason coming out as a four-star and the highest-rated player in his in his class um, that committed to Vanderbilt. <clears throat> Excuse me. So this is something that I was surprised by the news because I had no inkling or, or inclination towards leaning towards seeing this happening. Nothing geared towards that the football program seemed to be moving in the right direction if guys would have transferred you would think that they would have transferred prior to the spring game and in spring practice and going through it with those guys but i'm a little bit surprised you don't see this more and and hear me out and let me explain what i mean when you see these staffs completely turn over and i believe they only maintain one or two guys from the previous coaching staff javon hay and, and i'm sure i'm forgetting one but a little bit like investing when when you hear venture capitalists or or people that consider themselves entrepreneurs who invest into businesses a lot of times one of the common phrases they say is they invest in people not products or the company they invest in people um, and that's true to an extent they are investing in people because they see the drive they see that they can build a relationship with that person and believe that they can take that business to the next level these recruits come in and and similar to investors, they also have to see some value in the business, similar to the program. They have to see a base level that they will invest their time. And, and these, these high school kids are investing their time. They're investing three, four years of the prime of their athletic career into this university. They're investing into that university's education. Um, if, that, if their football career doesn't move on to the NFL, and it would be like, an investor venture capitalist coming in investing money into that company and then all of a sudden the ceo or the person that was the founder is gone and they're removed from that equation and then you're just left with that program or that business and probably more than likely kaufman came there just for mason and that influenced 90 percent of his decision nothing against clark lee or that staff but it's probably not the program with the prestige that otherwise he would have chosen. Um, so I, I'm pretty pretty in the middle. I, I'm a little upset with Dylan DeSue and how he handled that situation. You you touched on the fact he never put out anything on Twitter. Uh, Donovan Kaufman at least did the face service of putting out a statement saying he wants to thank the new coaching staff and Coach Lee, thank the fans, even though I think a lot of that is lip service because if you did so much think that the new staff was so great and you've learned so much and that they're moving in the right direction, I don't think you would leave. So I'm split a little bit on these. I can understand the reasoning behind both of them. However, I think Kaufman did it a little bit in a better way, um, and I don't think it leaves a bitter taste in the mouth of Vanderbilt fans in the same way that the Dylan DeSue transfer news does. Um, but that's enough on the negative side, on, on the downside of what has been happening in Vanderbilt athletics. We'll move on um, to a little bit more football here, just a quick run through. We do have the NFL draft tomorrow in, in bigger news starting at, starting at I believe, 7 p.m. Um, on Thursday, uh, April 29th. And, We'll kind of run through back and remind you guys of some players that had been drafted uh, from Vanderbilt in the past decade and, and kind of where they are right now. Some names you, you may not remember. We had uh, in 2010, Thomas Welch, Myron Lewis, both drafted. Myron Lewis was a third round draft pick. In 2012, you had Tim Fuger, 
and Casey Hayward. 2013, Zach Stacy, Ryan Seymour. 2014, Andre Hell, Wesley Johnson, and Jordan Matthews in the second round. 2016, you had outside linebacker Stephen Weatherly picked in the seventh round. And more recently, in 2017, Zach Cunningham taken in the second round by the Houston Texans, carving himself out a nice career there in the AFC South. And you had Will Holden drafted to the Arizona Cardinals. In 2018, you had Oren Burks drafted to the Green Bay Packers. And Oren Burks was actually at uh, the Friday night scrimmage that I was able to attend. He was actually walking around the field there. So that was cool to see him coming back to that program. And then in 2019, you had Joan Williams um, going to the New England Patriots and Justin School uh, going to the 49ers and Keyshawn Vaughn, obviously, last year as well, going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This year, Vanderbilt's uh, draft prospects are a little thin, um, to say the least. Dio Dangbo, obviously, um, had been projected as high as, you know, maybe a second round, third round guy and, and had the Achilles injury that has dropped his draft stock a little bit. But we'll be looking to see his name called maybe day three of the draft. And then Andre Mintz is going to be looking to be signing a free agent deal and get into training camp somewhere and hopefully sneak onto that roster. Where are your expectations, Jacob? Could you possibly see Dio Dangbo going? Um, I have actually, I was looking at work earlier. I was reading a little bit about it. And despite that Achilles injury, um, a lot of scouts see all the upside that he brings to the field. And, um, I'm still seeing mid to late third round draft pick, despite the injury, just because of what he put on tape at his time here at Vanderbilt. Yeah, I kind of I kind of shocked you with that one. I don't think I mentioned you that we'd be uh, talking about the NFL draft whatsoever. So good job thinking on your feet, giving a little bit of knowledge. I knew you would would have at least a little something to say, but that injury was unfortunate. Um, hopefully he can go in day two. Uh, that would be ideal. But I'm seeing him probably falling into that fourth, fifth round. Uh, a lot of times that torn Achilles, that's a brutal injury, especially for a young defensive lineman. That's where all of your explosion comes from. When you hear guys describe that injury, similar to what Kevin Durant um, had gone through, I believe they describe it as a rubber band snapping. Um, and DeMarcus Cousins is, is one of the more famous injuries with that and his explosion was just never the same because that rubber band just doesn't quite go back in the same way. And you lack that explosion, which is so key for a defensive lineman with a big body like Dio Dangbo. Um, his physical characteristics are exactly what NFL teams are looking for, 6'5", 285. Um, you can't build a better prototype um, for a guy like him. And he seems to have all of the professionalism and right standards. And we know that if he didn't have the right professionalism, Mama O would be all over him. So uh, you know he's going to be a hard worker because you don't, you, you, uh, the wrath of an NFL head coach or, or any football head coach is nothing compared to what I'm sure Mama O would be getting on to him. So we'll, we'll move uh, on to some even brighter news here in that Nashville has officially in Tennessee has announced they are lifting capacity restrictions very soon on May 14th. Um, there will be no indoor or outdoor capacity restrictions. Indoor mask mandates will still remain. What do you? What can you see this uh, meaning for Vanderbilt Athletic Show? And, and hopefully, we'll be able to uh, see full capacity there at the Hawk. Um, I'm just looking for things to get back to normal. Um, there's so much buzz around this baseball team this year. I have no doubt that um, at Hawkins Field that we could create one of the best college baseball environments if we just allowed more people in the stands. And, and I think we're trending in that direction. Also looking forward to football, um, tailgates, getting back in the stadium. Um, so really just getting that noise back in the stadium, 
giving our team that edge wherever we can. Yeah, I'm most excited to see, uh, you know, the Hawk packed with people, you know, watching. I want to I want to hear the explosion with Kumar closes out a complete game like he did this weekend against Mississippi State. I want to hear an explosion when Carter Young blasts a home run um, over the wall. So that's been something that's really been missing. But, you know, the Van the Vanderbilt football team was out there. Coach Lee had the boys out, had the boys hot, created a, a pretty raucous environment for 40% capacity this weekend. And the Hawk was buzzing. It was buzzing, man. And and we've missed that. And we've missed uh, hearing the whistler. I know people hate it. I missed hearing that. I missed hearing that with the collapse going in a going into an at bat in late innings. So it, it felt right. It felt like we're moving back towards normalcy. And I'm just hoping that by, you know, midsummer that we'll be almost completely watching games and, and able to go to them and feeling like things are back um, to a sustainable place. But we do have the Mississippi State recap um, here, and it always is fun taking on Mississippi State because, of course, against them, um, we do receive 35 full baseball scholarships, not 11.7. <laughs> so they uh, were the only school that does receive that, according to their fans and their fan base. Um, they absolutely love to talk about that relentlessly, even though Vanderbilt cost five times more to attend the Mississippi State. Apparently, they have all the advantages, but only in baseball. It doesn't help them in any other sport, um, yeah. which is pretty amazing. And I do want to throw out there before we hit this recap that Mississippi State is the only team in the SEC uh, that does not have a single team national championship, not one. They've contributed absolutely nothing to that win column for the conference and they have a completely empty trophy case. So anything that Mississippi State fans want to throw back in the faces of Vanderbilt fans, uh, they have absolutely no ground to stand on because even their football team, if you take away Dak Prescott, has been absolute hot garbage. All right, now that I've gotten that out of my system, we'll move on to the actual games. Um, Friday, Vanderbilt took a 6-2 to two victory. Kumar Rocker was an absolute tank on the mound. Uh, he gave up one earned run. No walks, hit one batter, hit one batter with a pitch, eight strikeouts. Um, he pitched, I believe, seven straight scoreless innings, uh, gave up one more run um, in the ninth. And uh, Vanderbilt had a really big fourth inning is where they kind of went out to that lead. They had a big uh, two RBI hit from Thomas, um, and they drove in another two RBIs from Davis in the eighth. Um, on Saturday, Leiter struggled again, Shoal. Um, I know it's it's got to kind of be in the minds of Vanderbilt fans now. That's two weekend series in a row that Leiter has not come out and looked his best. He only pitched five innings, gave up six hits, four earned runs, um, walked three batters, hit one with a pitch, and had eight strikeouts. State kind of led the whole way in this one. Bradfield, he's simply, to quote super bad, the fastest kid alive. Um, he had three stolen bases in that uh, game two loss, seven to four. Um, Vanderbilt put a small rally together in the bottom of the seventh, scoring three runs, but it was, you know, it was too little too late. Um, and unfortunately, they dropped that one. On Sunday, they won the game seven to four. Riley struggled badly again. He gave up three earned runs early, three walks, um, only had one strikeout. McIlvain has to be the Sunday starter. Um, he came in and pitched very, very well. And I'm probably looking to see McIlvain start uh, the, the Sunday games and for the remainder of the SEC schedule. Riley's just been struggling. Uh, Maldonado looked good once again in Bradfield. Uh, completely, once again, super bad quote, the fastest kid alive. I mean, the, the guy, I believe, would rank third. Um, we put out a tweet with that graphic from ESPN, third in the entire SEC as a team um, in stolen bases. He would be third. 
uh, which is absolutely unbelievable to think about. And Carter Young, uh, the up-and-coming next Dansby Swanson, ripped a uh, dinger for us there um, in a huge spot. Uh, barely snuck it over the wall, but um, boom. So Vanderbilt takes the series 2-1 to one over Mississippi State. And Mississippi State fans were triggered, um, not by the scholarship situation. They were triggered by actually the Vanderbilt football program, apparently celebrating a little bit too much, even though Mississippi State fans and their players like to taunt a lot when they are winning they certainly got their fair share in on Saturday, um, mocking that student section and the Vanderbilt football section. And uh, their fans were certainly giving them hell on the field, the Mississippi State fans that somehow made their way into the stadium. I don't understand why they are so upset by this. Jacob, do you have any idea? Um, I mean, if it's not one thing, it's the other. It can be scholarships. It can be the football team was waving bye to them as they drove away in their bus. Um, I'm just saying everything that happened this past weekend um, couldn't have happened at a better time. If I wanted any of these issues to pop up, it would be against Mississippi State. Just makes it a little bit sweeter. Um, the football team really showed out. Love seeing them out in full force, like you said. Um, touching on Rocker, if you're here to hear anything negative, you're not going to. It's Kumar. He comes out and plays like a pro just about every time he's on the mound. Um, Lider, in a little bit of a slump his past couple of starts, but I have full confidence that he's going to turn that around. Um, and then Bradfield, wow, the kid is a literal lightning bolt on the on the uh, bases. Yeah, we may have actually found a, a batter that – is actually able to you know flip the bat a little bit after a walk because it's basically a triple. And this was against a really, really good Mississippi State catcher, and he was 100% on stealing bases during this series. Um, I, I'm the same as you. I don't have a lot of negative takeaways. Uh, their, their Sunday starter is something that Corbin is going to have to figure out. Um, Riley has just not been getting it done. I don't take a lot from, from Leiter struggling again. I mean, you're once again playing a top five opponent, number four, Mississippi State. You're facing really good lineups. And sometimes you just don't have your A game. You just don't have your best stuff. So Leiter is hopefully going to be able to turn this around somehow. Uh, Kumar Rocker is, uh, is still fourth in projected MLB mock drafts. And unfortunately, Jacob is going to have to leave this segment one early. So you'll be stuck with just me. Um, here recording the remainder of this podcast, but not too much more to go, so don't worry. Um, we're going to preview the Florida game, just give a rundown of that schedule really quick. Uh, Vanderbilt takes on Florida um, in their series this weekend, Friday, April 30th at 6 p.m. on ESPNU. Saturday, May the 1st. How are we in May already? Uh, pretty amazing that we've already passed through four full months of 2021 and we still do not have full capacity inside of any Vanderbilt sporting event. Uh, Saturday, May the 1st at 5.30 on SEC Network Plus, and then Sunday, May the 2nd, we actually at 2 p.m. have a game on ESPN2, so be sure to tune into that on one of the main ESPN networks. And then there is a midweek matchup with a little bit of intrigue. Uh, the Vandy boys take on Louisville Tuesday, May 4th at 6 p.m. on ESPNU. So to be sure to tune into that midweek game, I know a lot of the time those games kind of fall a little bit under the radar. 
but that'll about do it here at the door report for episode 81 as always thank you so much for listening to us be sure to give us a five-star review and a little bit of a tease here maybe a little preview me and jacob have something cooking up and brewing we may be starting a weekly instagram live slash periscope um, where you guys can ask us questions or give your opinions um, and we'll kind of run through those and interact a little bit uh, possibly a little little add-on to what we're currently doing here at the door report with our podcast website and social media accounts as always follow us at door underscore report on twitter at door dot report on instagram we'll be really trying to grow that instagram presence in the next few months and upcoming months so as always anchor down thanks for listening be sure to give us a five-star review and we look forward to seeing you next time